This is Monica Perez, your libertarian voice on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSD every Saturday from 3 to 6. There's lots of fake stuff in the news right now, but that doesn't mean there aren't real implications that and even when events are contrived and manipulated doesn't mean real people don't get hurt or real policies don't get introduced. So last week in uh, on the show uh, on Saturday, as my show was airing, all this uh, the protests and counter protests, anti protests in Charlottesville were actually happening. So as uh, as that was unfolding in real time, my my impression with stuff like that is I go down the rabbit hole. I look a little more deeply, I think, than than the mainstream media normally does. And I see that as a conflict. I actually said on the air, this is a conflict I feel was created to get both the left and the right to cry out for more government. I felt like it was orchestrated, manipulated. Uh, I, I got some reactions. People didn't like what I was saying. And, uh, you know, I don't know if people just automatically reject this idea that there's a conspiracy afoot. Funny enough, though, as the week progressed, and uh, if you listen to uh, right-leaning talk show hosts, several were saying similar things in that, yes, this seems contrived, and then pointing to the some of the characters on the right being uh, set up by the left. So as if the setup was all by the left to make the right look bad. I take a different tack. I think, I mean, that may be true, and the reality is that probably all the power in the world, above and behind even both of our parties, is really essentially left. It's actually almost the nature of power that it would be left, collectivist, control, central control. Whereas the right, as I as I look at the American right, is uh, based in individual responsibility and liberty. So no matter how people are manipulated either way, those who believe in individual liberty and kind of the the sovereignty of the citizen, of the individual, that's on the right. That doesn't actually lend itself to this big power. But in any event, the what I see is that this crisis was created, manipulated, that usually these big operations, and I think it's a long-term operation, not just this event, but usually these big things have a, uh, a uh, you know, a goal that is you know, maybe many, many goals, not just one goal. But in this case, in real time, and I identified it on Saturday, I felt the goal was to get the left and the right, just like um, Black Lives Matters and things like that, where they, in the end, what you're asking for is more totalitarianism, more government control, the black versus blue conflict. Everyone's going to look at this uh, this unrest in society and think the only solution is government solution. So I expected that. And uh, so I wasn't super surprised when I read an article in the National Review calling for this. Uh, the guy called for government regulating government regulating the Internet. And his point was that 
it really basically the big tech guys are so left leaning that for the right voice to even get through Republicans in Congress, which he actually says that Republicans in Congress need to step in, that they need to regulate free speech in order to protect it and save it. And it's funny because this theme, this idea that it's only stuff on the right that is being censored by big tech happens to dovetail with another story that's in the news right now, two stories that happen to be in the news right now. This Jamie Damore email, the Google employee who sent out a 10-page letter talking about how there is scientific basis for women being less good in tech, or I didn't read the thing. Uh, that just, to me, is such as a, you know, I used to be an investment banker. To take a good job and throw it away like that is kooky. I, I mean, I just, it's a, it, it's a, so out of vogue to say stuff like that. You know, it's kind of smacks of eugenics. I'm not saying... He's right or wrong. I don't care. But it just like as a it, it just seems it seems contrived to me. And then I saw an article in the journal this week about Facebook saying they had a forum FB anon or something like anonymous Facebook where Facebook employees. It was open to Trump supporting Facebook employees. And then it started to sound sexist and racist. So they shut it down. And I, I even question if there are <laughs> is this big community of. Trump supporting Facebook employees. But in any event, both of those stories talks about, and Google fired the guy who wrote the email, talks about big tech companies uh, suppressing the speech only of right-leaning people. That's been the 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 whole story this week. So it folds right into what this guy is is claiming. And uh, But what was really surprising to me was I read this article in National Review, and then I read another article in Huffington Post that basically echoed the exact same sentiments. I mean, it, some of the passages were so parallel, uh, they actually bear reading. So I, let me see how many I can get through uh, before the break. I just... Um, and if you want to talk about this, 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK. You can tweet at me, at Monica Perez Show. So the National Review article, uh, the guy who wrote it, Jeremy Carl, he's the guy who, who's proposing to regulate the Internet to save free speech. He says, he talks about uh, this Cloudflare. Um, they they banned or censored or whatever, stopped supporting the Daily Stormer. This thing has been getting a lot of... News coverage this week. It's a neo-Nazi site. And it would have... It, the, some of the stuff was so outrageous they put up there. Let them leave it up and discredit themselves. And especially don't give them all this PR. It's so hard to get uh, something launched. The amount of PR this thing is getting now, it's just it defies belief that the goal of the mainstream media is to uh, censure it. So this guy says, Matthew Prince... This is the article from National Review. Matthew Prince, Cloudfare CEO, wrote... Let me be clear that this was an arbitrary decision. I woke up in a bad mood and decided to kick the Daily Stormer off the Internet. It was a decision I could make because I'm the CEO of a major Internet infrastructure company. No one should have that power. According to Prince, one of his employees, understanding the full import of the banning, asked him, is this the day the Internet dies? Which, you know, that's just so, it sounds like, uh, um, like a Santa Claus question. So ridiculous. Okay, so then... 
So the Huffington Post starts its article similarly, their article, people cheer companies kicking Nazis off the Internet, but who's next? And it starts with, uh, and the subtitle is, any tactic used now to silence neo-Nazis will soon be used against others. And they start, I woke up in a bad mood and decided someone shouldn't be allowed on the Internet. Matthew Prince, the CEO of Cloudflare, wrote of his company's decision to stop offering the Daily Stormer protection from distributed denial-of-service cyber attacks from hackers. Prince acknowledged that his decision could set a dangerous precedent. No one should have that power, he told staffers. Okay, I've got I've got more smoking gun quotes that really drive this point home that I'm going to wait till the bottom of the hour probably to get to. I need a little time to do that. Uh, But what, you know, first of all, one thing I want to just set out at the start is that the big argument here is that these are private companies. And if you dig into the tech world, you will find that, like, especially Google um, and the real big ones, their tech was developed, Uber, their tech was developed in incubators or paid for by uh, the government, managed by the government. So I want to get into that question as well. Binkley, my producer here, do we have a tweet we can squeeze in? Yeah, we got one we can squeeze in. We have one from Poll Mom. She says, they are gunning for the First Amendment. They equate the right with the KKK and the Nazis and paint all on the right as evil. They even justify censoring all social media news on the right as well. Yeah, I think that's definitely one of the themes that I noticed that you that. So they said they were going to have a free speech rally in Boston. And I just knee jerk in my mind thought, oh, stay away from that. That's a bunch of Nazis. (laughs) Why would I think that? It's this free speech rally, you know? Why would I think that? Because that was put in my head. You know, that's that's what they've done this week alone. So she's right about that. But I'd be careful about looking that this is the left censoring the right because it's a trap for the right. I'm going to explore that a little more after the break. Take your calls. 404-872-0750, 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK. You can tweet at me, at Monica Perez Show. Monica Perez on News 95.5 at AM 750, WSB. 84 and sunny outside the studio, 6 on the Mellish Meter. Weekend weather is brought to you by Shoemate Heating and Air. And we're hitting the ground running with a... Uh, a lot of stuff going on this week. I think that these protests and counter-protests are absolutely quickly going to lead to government regulation of speech on the Internet, um, at least a first pass attempt. But other stuff's going on, too. So call about anything you want that's uh, current, relevant, you want to talk about, 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK. I'm going to James in Atlanta. Hi, James. You're on with Monica. How you doing, Monica? Good. How you doing? I want to read you a quote from one of my favorite books. Books. It says, the party seeks power entirely for its own sake. We are not interested in the good of others. We are interested solely in power, pure power. Power is in tearing human minds to pieces and putting them together again in the new shapes of your own choosing. That's straight out of George Orwell's 1984. Wow. Exactly James, I got to say, it's re- it, it um reflects what you hear about cults and that kind of thing. Yes. I mean, what happened after 9-11? 
They regulated. The government started spying on you because, oh, we got to watch out for terrorism, right? We have to take your constitutional rights away because we have to take watch can out you for hold, terrorism. So, James, I want to. I have to go to a break, but I want you to hold on. Can you hold on so we can continue this after the break? Yes. Hang on. All right, guys. Uh, I think James is going to give us some deep insights into the nature of what's really going on right now, and I'm dying to hear it. Uh, but I've got lots of great calls coming. Maybe we'll do a little rapid fire. 404-872-0750. 1-800-WSB-TALK. Or you can tweet at me, at Monica Perez Show. You maniacs! You blow it up! Monica Perez on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. I am your libertarian voice on WSB. Saturday is from 3 to 6. And we usually, you know, when you're a libertarian, if you're really true to your principles, you, you pretty quickly see between, see through the political parties because even if they talk about liberty or talk about principles that you believe in, they, I would, I'm going to, go out on a limb and say they never deliver. And then you start not believing in it anymore because you're holding them always up to these objective standards. So that's why we end up going down the rabbit hole on this show a lot or peeling the onion. Uh, I have James. James was a caller on before the break. We were talking about um, these protests and anti-protests in my mind and it looks like it's panning out, are the number one goal is to have the left and the right call out for more government control. Uh, But this divisiveness is also a theme that we've been seeing for a long time now in this country, and I was trying to put my finger on what it's all about. I've done some reading on it. Um, I think I have an answer, but I think James is going to give us some insight too. James, you read a quote before the break. Could you read that again? Is that handy for you still? Uh, the quote I read. Yeah. About um, I have it. Um, um, uh, let me see if I. No, that's all right. It was a don't do it. Let's talk. It was George Orwell quote that it was right. about shattering the minds of the people to foster the good of the party. That it had nothing to do. It's the opposite of what I'm. I'm paraphrasing. I'm saying the the government what they do. The, the way power works now. To to, yeah, to think the way they want you to think for strictly for power. Right. You know it's. Hillary Clinton, I mean, it's not that hard, Monica. She was laying the groundwork for this when she started talking. And I'm African-American. When she would start talking about the alt-right, remember, read her political speeches when she was campaigning against Donald Trump. Their bastards are deplorables. You know, they're racist. She was laying the groundwork for what's happening now, for control. See, they were going to ban these people anyway. They were going to take away freedom of speech faster if she had gotten in there. But she was laying the groundwork. That oh you got to do this because the alt right and these people they have these 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 they think like this we have to ban them from the internet go back to the yeah, go back James, to the campaign I want to ask you something because I actually wrote an article the week before the election called teeing it up for the censorship president thinking she was going to be the censorship president exactly but but it's still happening but let me now that you say that I've been wondering I really want to understand the deeper meaning of the whole campaign. And I feel like I've always felt like 1% of me, one tiny percent thinks that Hillary knew that she was going to lose, that she was playing a role. And I wouldn't, and, and if this is, but I think you're probably right. Either way it turned out, even if she won, this is how it would be. I don't think she had any clue she was going to lose. I yeah, think no, I think. So I, upset. 
I think that they said this is never going to happen again. Our globalist agenda is never going to be interrupted by you, the American people, being able to think for yourself. You're never going to have freedom of, spe- uh, of speech. You're never going to be able to think. What we're going to do, we're going to control everything. We're going to shut down. You couldn't find a positive article if you Google Donald Trump in the campaign. You couldn't find a negative article on Hillary Clinton. So therefore, what's the, what's the major means of communication today? The Internet. So we're going to control the Internet through the company. So whatever you, whatever you Google search is going to come up. We're going to control your thinking to therefore you will never have a freedom of choice ever again in your life to disturb our globalist agenda. We're going to put the people in because we're going to start controlling your mind. We're going Do you to agree, James, mind. that they're promoting this kind of discord to make this happen faster, that they're yes, making this because worse? I believe some of the people, I believe the, the so-called protesters and counter-protesters, they're working for the same people. Uh, yes. The, the, the difference all like a 9-11, hey, we're going to create the problem, then the government has the solution. We're going to come in and we're going to regulate the Internet and we're going to and we're going to censor your speech and you're not going to have. And, and, and it's just it, it's clear to see what's going on. And I feel as Donald Trump, I, I feel he, he really is genuine. But now you have the New York liberals. You have uh, you have the globalists that's controlling the White House now. Now, now, well, now pretty much it, to me, it's not going to be any difference between if Jeb Bush or Hillary Clinton, yeah. name me one person that wouldn't feel that, that works for Donald Trump that wouldn't be comfortable in a Jeb Bush or Hillary Clinton. Uh, half of them are Democrats. <laughs> yeah. I mean, so I mean, it, it's to me, it's it was nice for Trump, Trump to try to go against the, the globalist agenda. But I feel as though it's just hopeless because yeah. they're going to do whatever they can. I mean, it may be that Trump or Hillary was in on this big scheme. It may be that they're not. It doesn't really matter because the reality is these guys are uh, they're cracking down and I've seen it coming and it is coming. And my insight into the divisiveness thing, I've been uh, started to read this book called The Ideology of Tyranny. And it talks about how this divisiveness started coming in through the universities in the United States in the 80s to basically what James read in the Orwell quotes, like uh, break down the mind. Uh, and, and the point of the divisiveness is if you divide people on these fringe issues, whatever, they cannot unite on the universal truths, the obvious values, you know, the obvious values. Ron Paul pointed to obvious values, especially if you're an individualist. If you're a collectivist, maybe Bernie Sanders is the one who articulates your obvious values. But regardless of what those guys say, we have real values. We're not that divided as far as real values that we can all agree upon for what we are employing government to do. And by uh, making us at each other's throats, it's impossible for the people to take back the power. As a matter of fact, we throw it away with both hands when stuff like this happens. And uh, and they ask for the answer from from our fearless journalists on the left and right is the government needs to regulate free speech. Thank you very much for the call, James. I've got um, I'm going to do a little rapid fire. So if you're on hold, I'm going to get you in this segment and we're going to make it quick. I'm going to go to Rob in Suwannee. Hi, Rob. You're on with Monica. Hi, Monica. Thanks for taking my call. Yeah, I'll make it pretty quick, but I got kind of a lot to unload so fast. Um, Okay, I'm going to challenge. I'm touching on at the very beginning of your show, you talked about how the globalist puppet master globalists are all left or trying to sway the whole world left. 
And I'd like to challenge the idea that fascism yes, and yes. Nazism is even yeah. right wing. I think it's all left wing, totally. I don't even get because how... it's collectivist. It's about the central power, right? It's and it was and called national socialism. Yeah, I mean Hitler's guide to life and guide to politics was the Communist Manifesto. That's fact. You know Mussolini. Always you never hear about like neo Mussolini followers but you know and i think the puppet masters needed something directly after world war ii a bad guy because you know you can't say well the bad guys and the good guys are both you know leftist <laughs> so i think hitler was a convenient you know bad guy quote you know yeah so it wasn't we'll let me say rob it wasn't like the capitalism versus communism and capitalism won. It feels like it was communism versus fascism, and we got kind of like a mix of both. Right. I'm a extreme libertarian, and I personally I think the linear uh, political spectrum is a joke. But um, if fascism, national socialist, was complete collective government control, and communism is pretty much the same thing, clearly there's no place on the linear spectrum for libertarians we just which is why anywhere you know the tell was that ron paul who did offer that which would be a unifying thing because the left would have liked the anti-war stuff is that he was ignored by cnn he was skipped over by fox he wasn't they did not get on the news and say oh my gosh we have to stop ron paul if you love the establishment don't vote for ron paul you know like they did right. for trump they they don't acknowledge any anything anyone who could really rally people for taking power away. They do not do that. And uh, absolutely yeah. doesn't fit the narrative. Nope. Um, thank you, Rob. I got to go to John in Fayetteville. John, you're on with Monica. Hey, Monica, that was rapid fire. Sorry, <laughs> you complaining? Okay, so... <laughs> <laughs> All right, go. Then talk faster okay, okay. than Rob. Okay, okay. I'm gonna talk faster. I'm gonna talk fast. Okay. Uh, we have proven by electing Donald Trump that we're not going to allow the Internet to be regulated. We, we understand for the first time in how many years we are deregulating. Donald Trump is having that effect of deregulation. I do not fear that the Internet is going to be regulated because we, it will self-regulate itself. This, free, this Nazi speech, this whatever on the Internet, you know, if people don't want to listen to it, guess what? It's not going to last. It, they're going to go out of business is what it amounts to. We, the people, will self-regulate. Keep the government out of our lives, whether it be the Internet, whether it be uh, everything the government does, they screw up. HUD, look what they've done to HUD. Why is the government in the housing business? Nobody can do it better than private industry. Hey, I agree. And that, that kind of stuff causes hyperinflation. But I will say the problem here with the Internet, it gets very tricky, is that, first of all, you're saying that I, I'm absolutely against the regulation completely. I think the actual problem is the fact that the government funded all this stuff. It effectively kind of internally crowdsourced it so it got incubators it got the people from all these universities that they also fund they found the best guys they gave them direct funding from the department of defense or the cia or military intelligence whatever like um 
you can, there's so much of it. You actually have to do your own research. There's just, it's overwhelming. And then they pick and choose. They have incubators. They have, they share the information. So then they pick somebody, the Google guys or whatever, they give them the tech and then those guys have the best search engine and they're not sharing that tech. And the CIA isn't going to give it to you, the guy who wants to disrupt the Google thing. So now you have a situation where these things have been fostered by the government, given an unfair advantage, a privilege by the government. At the same time, it exploded so fast uh, because of funding. Some of the funding comes directly from the CIA. They have their own venture capital fund in QTEL. Now, this stuff happens so fast. It's so robust. It takes over all these corporations which are probably in bed with it that now all of a sudden you really cannot function economically without using these systems. So the government put them in place, and now you're actually dependent on them in this kind of grid system. So I don't think that you're going to, unless we we address that problem, the root of the problem, which was the government put it all in there in the first place, you're not going to be able to have a, a viable competitor uh, just funded purely from the ground up with private money. It's going to be tricky. So... Uh, Trey, you're next. Trey's next. He wants to talk a little bit more about um, the CEOs of the companies. I want to talk about the tech and other guys who uh, are kind of non-governmental actors who are changing the culture and the narrative in this country right before our eyes in real time. And they get away with it because their connections to government are not crystal clear the way politicians are. This was a plot that was laid out by Brzezinski years ago in the crisis of democracy, talking about how to get institutions to take away democratic elements to uh, policy. Very interesting stuff. Trey, hang on a sec. 404-872-0750. 1-800-WSB-TALKER. You can tweet at me at Monica Perez Show. Monica Perez on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. 91 is the high today. 70 the low overnight. Weekend weather is brought to you by Shoemate Heating and Air. And I am going to Trey in Atlanta. Trey, what you got? You are on with Monica. Okay. Monica, can you hear me? Yes. Okay. I'm so sorry. I was trying to get you off speaker. You're what good. I wanted to, what I wanted to say is that we live in such a issue de jour society. And we talked about CEOs of large Internet providing companies taking the neo-Nazis or white nationalists off the Internet. And the truth is, if we really wanted to take people or or topics off the Internet, then why is child pornography on there? Why Trey, are people using... so crazy because I was just reading an article that I was talking about these articles. I read quotes from them uh, earlier in the show. And one of the articles said... The, the only thing that you can't, the one thing that everybody will ban from the internet, even the dark web, whatever, is kitty porn. And I was thinking, that's not true. That gets up. Right. <laughs> it's there. And so it's, it's just ridiculous because we're such an issue du jour. And right now, you know, it's all the Confederate uh, monuments. It's all this. It's all that. And you know what? It's, it is left-wing liberal stuff because it's, once again, a Ph.D. candidate student. And it's the, you know, we can't offend black people. And this is coming from a black woman, me. 
we can't offend black people. We've got to make sure we protect them. We've got to do this. We've got to do that. But at the same time, if we say anything against what they're doing, because black people are also not helping themselves to their utmost ability. They have the same opportunities, education, but when, when you talk about uh, low-performing schools, it's in the black neighborhoods, and then that's blamed on white people. Even well, that's, though- a, that's a whole can of worms, Trey, and I'm coming up on a hard break. I can't do the can of worms, but I'll react to what you're saying right after the break. 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK, or you can tweet at me at Monica Perez Show. This is your last chance. After this, there is no turning back. You take the blue pill. The story ends. You wake up in your bed and believe whatever you want to be. You take the red pill. You stay in Wonderland. And I show you how deep the rabbit hole goes. This is Monica Perez, your libertarian voice on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB every Saturday from 3 to 6. We have been talking about what I consider the most significant thing that's happening right now, what Charlottesville was really about, which is using the conflict, using the unrest, using our uh, issues with each other, which I think are being trumped up, being exempl- uh, exaggerated by the media, and that the response is uh, designed to be, and we're hearing it from the media outlets on the left and right, that the only answer is uh, government control. Both the left and the right, I was reading earlier articles from the Huffington Post and the National Review saying that the only way to save free speech is to regulate it at the federal level, to go into the Internet and uh, set some ground rules about what can and cannot be on there, what can and cannot be taken down from there. And both of them say, you know, you may hate neo-Nazis, but next they're coming for you. You know, whether uh, your side likes Black Lives Matter or whether your your side likes Trump, there's uh, or whatever. They're going to cut your next. And uh, and the only way to save it is to look to the almighty government, which, of course, I object to. That's a trap. That's why they have to create these crises to beg for the solution. And everybody on both sides, as divided as people seem to be, are always united, or at least it's presented as being united front when it comes to we need more central control of this or that, whether it's policing or um, the Internet or whatever. It's always a slippery slope. I'm uh, going to take some calls, 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK. You can tweet at me, at Monica Perez Show. We had a call before the break. I was up against a hard break. I could not give Trey her full say, but I've got somebody on the line, Tim, who wants to respond to trey so tim if you would uh recap what you you're uh identifying that trey said and then you can give me your response hi tim how are you you're on how you doing monica good my my problem is trey presented this as an as an issue of of people of 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 color and minorities having a problem and and wanting to kind of overstate the issues that are going on and then she said something at the end that you know you know, black people are their own worst enemies, or they're not doing enough. Um, she was black, she said. Just okay, for clarity the, for the listener. Doesn't mean a thing. Doesn't mean a thing if she was. No, the no, I just is, she said that. The, the problem is, this country was founded on a racial divide. 
the racial divide in this country is is I, I would, would would argue that it's the biggest problem we have because it's part and partial to every other issue we have. Our economic issues, our social issues are all we're all have a genesis in the racial divide in this country. And to sit down and, and try to minimize that, to, to present it in a way that says, well, it's not really that bad. And the problem is that, you know, that those people, and she did use the term they a couple of times as if it doesn't affect her, that they are, are overstating that they are doing not doing enough. That that bothers me because. Well, Tim, what I was going to say to her uh, is that I have read in if you if you dig deep in various left stuff, Cloward and Piven, uh, the report from Iron Mountain documents from the 60s, it states targeting black communities for that to keep the uh in the case of a report from Iron Mountain, they want to make a minority, an ethnic minority that's separate from the mainstream so that middle America feels like there's uh, a a threat to them. So maybe um, infiltrating drugs into the community or breaking up the families, uh, reducing level of education. All these things help to keep this hierarchy in society, a division in society. I would say that that this, what you're talking about, this, the, the roots of, uh, that raises at the roots of a lot of our problems here, I would say that it's, that even if that were, and I think it what would have, could have gone away organically, the powers that be won't allow it because it is such a powerful way to keep us separate. And I, and, and I disagree with you there because this isn't something that'll just, that'll just fade. These are learned behaviors. These are taught behaviors, and these are behaviors that aren't, aren't taught by the government. These are things that are being passed down from generation to generation. And we need to be open about it. We need to be honest about it. We need to be forthright about it. We need to sit down and, and be able to talk to our children, and we need to be able to share with the, other, with the upcoming generations the problems that have happened, the causes of those problems, and things that we can do as a society to address those problems. But the, the premise that we can just stand by and let it go away on its own is again that is that does more to 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 harm the problem than it does to hurt it. All right. Well, because- I would say this, Tim. I just want to, and I, I'm not. I respect your opinion. I feel like um, the the way what the media on the left and right choose to emphasize makes the problem of what you're talking about being able to communicate, be able to understand, makes that impossible makes what you say impossible because of what they are doing so maybe it wouldn't just evaporate but we are not going to make progress as long as it has so much political power and the media is in bed with the politicians that they are they they emphasize the elements that will make it impossible for us to come to terms the way you are suggesting is the solution do you agree with that I I agree with that too. I mean, you don't have to, but I just I no, want to no, no. know where I, we. I, if there's I, any to, point at which we're the uh, agree. To to some extent, I really do agree with that. I think the media, you know, that the media does play the divisive edge. But as a society, we can't stand by and and let the media dictate it. We have to be able to sit down and talk to each other. We have to be able to interact with each other, and it's possible to do that without buying into the extremes on either end. But when when, the, when it's presented as a matter of this side is, is just absolutely wrong and this side is just absolutely right, it does no good for anybody. And it ultimately, ultimately it destroys us a whole lot faster than it, than it repairs us. 
Well, I agree with that. And the whole it's actually rather heartbreaking because we live in the richest, the most prosperous country. Um, the the principles that, uh, you know, are so incongruous with the origins of the country that uh, the existence of slavery was incongruous. And it's even in that awful cornerstone speech of the Confederacy uh, that that the. The union, the, the foundation of the union was at odds with slavery. It was a problem they needed to get rid of. But that but I, my point is just that that the American experiment, to the extent you can isolate the principles of liberty and justice for all, maybe it was a fantasy, maybe it was a lie. But you have that coupled with prosperity and opportunity. And and this would be the perfect place to have the space for everybody to have liberty and justice for all to achieve what they wanted. And if you don't understand each other, maybe not uh, come to blows. But I, I feel like real damage is being done by both sides for political purposes. And, and it, that bumps me out. I, I can agree with you on that. Yeah. Thank you so much, Tim. I'm so glad uh, you called because I, I was cutting off Trey, and, I, uh, and I, I think she deserved a response. I'm going to Jeff and Smyrna. Jeff, you are on with Monica. Hey, Monica. Hey. hey. I guess my comment would be I think this was a little less planned out, but it ultimately gets used. Um, by both sides, obviously, the left would say, you know, all this hate needs to end, therefore we need to control free speech because we can't have hate speech, et cetera, et cetera. And it's going to, therefore, they're going to then force the right into, well, you're either going to buy into that argument or you're, or you stand on the side with those other people who are on the far right, too. So it, it forces everybody to kind of move to the less free, less free speech argument. And then I guess point two that I'd like to bring up with that is I think then the agenda can be further moved along in other areas. And I've already heard it mentioned that I think the Southern Poverty Law Center put the Catholic Church amongst us, several other churches uh, in their list of hate groups this last week, you know, as it relates to their stance on, you know, marriage between a man and a woman. And so now all of a sudden you see, okay, now we can start putting the brakes on religion and their ability to have free speech if they don't comply with what we think is correct. See, I think uh, this is not the realm, uh, to the extent that these institutions have kind of quasi-governmental power or have universal it's like everybody gets on the same page, the corporations, the government, the academic institutions, the media. It's like a web, an interlocking web. It's truly fascism in that there's this this web where everybody has to get on the same page. Um, I feel like a memo gets sent out and they do. But but I want to go back to another thing that Trey said earlier about she said, why can't they just start with stopping human trafficking? And and my thought when she said that was like, actually, slavery still exists in some places from uh, I've read it repeatedly. It certainly is. I don't I don't think I'm wrong about that. It could be a total scam, but there are real crimes against persons and property. And yes, we have social problems. There have been injustices. These things are important and we should deal with them. 
But to have them as a priority of government to me, makes the problem worse because as the pendulum swings, the government controls one side, then the government controls the other. First, there was uh, segregation instituted by the government, and the response was to tell private property owners what they could and could not do. Uh, And then, you know, then they banned smoking in bars. You know what I mean? Like you just, you, the government will control anything you allow it to control. So if you, uh, if you, limit government to its legitimate functions, which is actually to stop crimes against property and persons, focus on the slavery that's still happening, focus on the kidnapping, the murder, all that kind of stuff. Until that stuff's eradicated, I think, uh, you know, it should be the top priority. And it isn't. It isn't from, you know, these are big corporations. They could help, as uh, Trey suggested. 404 872 1-800-WSB-TALK. Reading tweets after the break at Monica Perez Show. Monica Perez on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. Mostly to partly sunny, hot but not too humid tomorrow. High of 94. The weekend weather is brought to you by Shoemate Heating and Air. Uh, Finkley, do you have a tweet for me? We're getting a really... uh, Intense conversation. I'm happy for this. I think maybe I want to do rapid fire call taking in the next segment. Uh, call 800 WSB Talk. I have some lines open there. If you're on hold already, I'll get to you in the next segment. I um, do. I have a tweet that I think kind of relates to all of this. It's from Clayton. He says two words social Marxism. So, like, cultural Marxism is how I've heard that said before. I think so, yeah. The Frankfurt School. Yeah, yeah let me just say what that is. It's where they realize, the Marxists realize that the workers of the world were not going to unite. They weren't miserable enough to rise up, that you needed a more universal body of disgruntled people. So they started uh, emphasizing uh, identity oppression, like dignity, you know, dignity oppression. So instead of poverty being the problem, it's dignity and that that was uh, tried to co-opt everybody. And you don't you have some insight into that that you were telling me about recently? Well, there's a book called Makers of Modern Mind, which one of the chapters is about Marx and his impact being on his ability to agitate the people who were downtrodden, his protest impact that has lasted throughout the you know generations. Yeah. So th- these are propaganda ways heavy. We do yeah. a show. Our podcast is called The Propaganda Report because we recognize that the power of the propaganda that and actually the tagline for the show is that uh, reality doesn't make the news. News makes reality. I mean, that's that's actually happening right now from what I can tell. I mean, they're evoking emotions, making people upset. So let's continue this conversation. I'll go through your calls. That's going to be a robust discussion. 800-WSB-TALK. More tweets at Monica Perez Show. You got me excited because this would truly be both an adventure and a learning experience. Monica Perez on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. Hi, I'm your Libertarian Voice. Saturdays from 3 to 6 on WSB, and we have really got a lively conversation going now, I can tell you. I just came out saying I think that 
the protests and anti-protests are orchestrated to get the left and the right to ask for more government control, specifically Internet censorship, which I pegged as being on the agenda for whoever won in November. I, as soon as the Charlottesville thing happened on Saturday, I was on the air and I said, that's what I thought would come of it. And I still think that's it. I um, read earlier quotes from an article in National Review, an article in Huffington Post, both saying uh, – that the way to save free speech is for the government to regulate the Internet and what you can say on it and what you can take down. Uh, I thought it was predictable. I I want to do some rapid-fire calls. I was reprimanded earlier by a caller for not hanging up on people fast enough. I really don't want – I want to hear what you have to say, but I think we should say two minutes a call. I don't want to leave out the tweets, though. Binkley, can you give me a, tw- a tweet real quick, or do you think I should just go right to the calls and you tee up some – I have a tweet I can All give right, you. Go. Dean tweets that race relations are far from perfect, but they are incredibly improved. Just look back 40 or 50 years. Thank you, Dean. That's a hopeful thought. Oh, and by the way, what I think is super cheerful is the Eclipse stuff. So – on Monday, from one to three, we'll really get our minds off of uh, all this stuff. Uh, uh, the guys are going to do a great job, Aaron Van Hessler and the gang, um, one to three on Monday. So I'm looking forward to that. I like the upbeat stuff. Thank you, Dean. Keep it coming. At Monica Perez Show. Uh, let's just do rapid fire. I'm going to Robert in Gwinnett. Hi, Robert. You're on with Monica. Hello, Monica. How are you? Um, I was calling to just say, uh, you know, with all this controversy that's been going on, um, you know, I've got a lot of African-American friends and such, and when we pass by statues like this, nowhere does the thought come into their minds, I don't think, that, of slavery. Um, you know, I'm not personally, I don't really care what the heck happens to the statues. I think it is funny that, um, you know, when you look at some people, they would say, oh, the American flag does not symbolize freedom and we're allowed to burn it. But when we look at a statue, oh, now a hunk of metal symbolizes slavery. And it's just to me, it's very interesting. You know, at the end of the day, you can take down statues, you can take down that. But if you're still teaching it in textbooks and you're teaching history, the hate and the vitriol is going to continue. You can't take away the ideology behind what some people will gravitate towards. And and ultimately, I think the the government's ultimately the ones that kind of thrive off of this, um, you know, this dispute that that happened and the, the the divide in this country it's continuing today the racial divide and you know unfortunately i think that's the goal i agree with you there i do think it's the goal thanks so much for the call robert i'm going to lorenzo in decatur hi lorenzo you're on with monica hey monica lorenzo here from south decab okay i got a couple of comments i want to make basically about the statue uh, one thing i want to say is bring if the statue coming down um, and I think they're beautiful statues. I think they're works of art. If uh, um, the statues were coming alive, intimidating black people, Latino people, less people, then take them down. But they're not bothering anybody. They're beautiful works of art. And another thing I want to say that changing the, the name of streets, taking down the um, 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 statues, if it's going to better the lives of black people or Latino people or any other people, take them down but if it's not going to change these people then what's the use for taking them down if my people yeah symbolism yeah exactly but they're beautiful works of art so then what they'll do is they'll take all the statues put them in a museum then they'll charge people 50 dollars to go into the museum to see them 
wish they could have seen them prior to that for free. Yeah, and you know, you touched on something, Lorenzo, that uh, there is so much, uh, because they're beautiful statues, they're not really bothering anybody. That's where you get conflicts, because if they were really damaging, obviously bad, they then there wouldn't be disagreement. It's what I coined the term the art of ambiguity by ha- by taking something that can be looked at two ways. That's what creates the strife. That is what our political class now feeds off of almost exclusively. Thank you so much for the call, Lorenzo. I'm going to Scott in Atlanta. Scott, you're on with Monica. Hello, Monica. How are you? Good. Hey, uh, real quick, uh, one of the big points that I want to make sure that uh, people don't uh, lose sight of is that Charlottesville, for example, was not about General Lee's statue. Um, that that is, uh, has been a big result of what happened there. And those two groups that, that clashed, uh, also as a reminder, Nazis are on the left wing of the political spectrum. They're socialists, National Workers Socialist Party. That's where Nazi came from in Germany. And this is a repeat of exactly what happened there, Nazis versus communism, or communists in, in 1930s Germany. They, they, are battled, they battled it out here in Charlottesville. So that those are all left-wing political organizations there. So you must be careful about saying right-wing. I'm a right-wing patriot. Oh, sorry. It's tricky. That's a tricky yeah. one. Um, I tend to think of the individualism versus collectivism. And the right of, like, Europe is totally different from the historical right of the United States. And I think that muddying the waters on that word itself is actually another goal of this whole operation. Sure. But but moving on to, to the statues, I'm, I'm a very active uh, member of the Sons of Confederate Veterans. I appreciate what Lorenzo said just a second ago. Those were very nice points. And an example of, of where there's issues being created where there were none. These these statues and monuments have been up, as you know, for a hundred or more years, and they've been quiet there. Uh, people that love the statues enjoy them. Those that don't care drive by. Nobody's bothered. But this morning on another radio station driving to an event, I heard a, a member of the NAACP compare Confederates to Adolf Hitler. And that that kind of rhetoric it doesn't do anybody any good. Hitler put people in ovens and burned them to death, or, or killed them and burned them in ovens. And to say that uh, Robert E. Lee and anybody associated with him, well, that's where we had. Then I have to draw the line. And I, 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 I guess respect- the I would just say I'm. I, you know, if it's not I mean, slavery, is a taking of life. I agree with you. And Robert E. Lee even has quotes like it's not he didn't think the war was about slavery. He objected to slavery as a moral outrage. Absolutely. Thank you. He did. That's correct. And he said so repeatedly. But the bigger picture there was that slavery was a long American problem. Been around, as you know, for 200 and almost 50 years before the war started. And at the end of the day, General Lee and and people like him believed uh, as much as they wanted slavery to end. And he knew it would take time. But at the end of the day, he did not believe that the central government had the right to invade a state and to tell a state what to do. And, Mr. and Lincoln, that was a that was a historically valid position. There was the Hartford Convention. I have a book 
Uh, actually, I have a review on Amazon, the constitutional history for secession. This is, again, the art of ambiguity. People who see it as a states' rights issue versus people who see it as defending slavery. It is extreme. If you go back to the history of the Civil War, it gets complicated. I actually just bought two books from opposite ends of the spectrum about it, and they're each like 900 pages. So <laughs> let's get back to the subject next year, and I'll give you what my ultimate opinion is. But that's the thing. Like, we could go on all day with people going back and forth. One thing you said, Scott, that I did want to emphasize, though, the Nazis versus communist thing comes like straight from the 30s in Germany. I have noticed and Binkley and I have talked about it on our podcast propaganda report that 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 it seems today like the news, the events are so stylized. It's like they take stereotypes that have put imprints in our minds and they just say the word and it evokes the emotion that the entire package that that the Nazis or the communists, or the Bolsheviks, or the whatever, that that entire package is in your mind ready to be fired off. And just saying the word, it has a lot of power. And that that goes to the symbolism thing. I call them ready-made stereotypes. I think that stereotype is like the kind of propaganda word for it. Binkley has, uh, I think, pointed out before, but it's important to see that where our emotions are being played upon with the use of these words, with the use of the symbols. I'm not a fan of that. I don't do it. I think it's manipulative and dishonest, but that is what's happening. Thanks so much for the call, Scott. I'm going to Maryland and Atlanta. Maryland, you're on with Monica. Hi, Monica. I just wanted to say that the far left, which according to the stats I've always heard, is approximately 18 to 20 percent of, of our country. To me, it's slowly but consistently forcing everyone to line up with their agenda. So to me, that's basically entering into that dangerous form of slavery, a form of slavery, which is not about skin color, but a mindset slavery. And to me, that's also a slippery slope when you allow the alt-left to make all our decisions including accepting forms of property destruction to cultural beliefs. By staying silent, we're allowing this tilt, and we are becoming slaves to this small minority. I mentioned something earlier, the report from Iron Mountain, which was a document in the 60s, supposedly came out by the government. I don't care the origin of it. It absolutely depicts the strategy that's being put in place right now. And they actually, by name, call for a, quote, euphemized form of slavery, a way to keep people corralled. And I and since then, I've noticed we've had a slave to drugs, a slave to debt, uh, that slavery and, of course, taxes, you know, being a tax slave, that really takes away all your lifeblood. And the progressive tax brackets are a way to make sure that as soon as you have surplus, they take it away. So you can't use it for your own values. That uh, this idea of slavery is really it's the slave state it's actually i think if you if you go to the d- darkest recesses of the rabbit hole you will find uh that that the totalitarian kind of world control is about slavery and that might even fold into the population reduction because as brzezinski said uh, it's easier to kill a million people than it is to control them. Thank you so much for the call, Marilyn. Uh, I'm going to go to Randy in Athens. Randy, you're on with Monica. Hey, Monica. I appreciate you taking my call. Uh, number one, uh, you know, this isn't the first rally that they had there uh, in that in uh, Charlottesville. Uh, what I wanted to say is America doesn't know how to protest. 
Uh, you look at South Korea. Uh, I have walked down the middle of Seoul when there's thousands of people and and hundreds of of, of riot gears. And it was my second day in Korea, and my buddy says, "Don't worry, they don't get violent. If the government doesn't uh, uh, listen to what they say, the crowds grow more and more and more, and that's how they make policy changes. They're, they, I'm not going to say they don't. There's no violence always, but when you do that, and what's happened is that we take take away from the whole point of being there, and we're talking about other stuff." And not why we were there. What was the whole purpose? What? What? Could you imagine all walks of color watching these people walk by and just standing there, and you just laugh at them and point at them and make them feel as stupid as they look walking down the street wearing what they're wearing, and not have not one violent uh, incident? Now, what kind of what kind of what kind of information would we be talking about now? We'd be talking about my. God, look at this. This is extraordinary. Yeah, you point your point is something that I have absolutely noticed uh, that and I always bring this up, like kind of Ron Paul versus Trump media treatment. They ignored Ron Paul and I thought they should ignore they're all week long, people have been talking about this website, The Daily Stormer. Never heard about it. It sounds stupid. The things that it said, I'm not even going to read on the air. It's disgusting. And The Huffington Post reprinted it. I'm like, why? Why would you reprint that? It's not, it's beneath you. But they get to do it. You know, it just gives so much attention to this and uh, riles people up. I think I again, I, you know, quote, blame the media. It's they're doing it on purpose. That's for sure. Thanks for the great calls. Uh, if you're on hold, I will get you, but I got to take a break. 404-872-0750 or at Monica Perez show. It is 85 outside the studio. Skies are clear. Weekend weather is brought to you by Shoemate Heating and Air. And uh, I've got so many calls, and I am doing rapid fire, I hope. But uh, uh, that means I have a very short break here. So I'm not going to take the calls, but if you are on hold, coming out of the break, I'm going to do more rapid fire, and I will get to every single person who's holding. So hang on. We have a very uh, robust discussion going on. Binkley, let's not Mm -hmm. ignore the tweets. All right. Give me a tweet. I got one from Nate. He says that... The media falsely creates a narrative that the masses from both sides are going to riots and are outraged. In reality, most of us just go to work. Yeah, I I think that's right. And it's just funny because the they make it look like that that it's these people are representative of some large group of you know, fascists and anti-fascists who are rooting from home, yeah. you know, and it's not. I, I think that this is, it does seem a bit uh, astroturf. 800-WSB-TALK, tweet at me, at Monica Perez Show. Please, take my hand. Now, open your mind to me. Please, open your mind. Open your mind. Open your mind. This is Monica Perez, your libertarian voice on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB every Saturday from 3 to 6. 
talking about what's the biggest stories of the week. And for me, the biggest story of the week is that the protests and anti-protests are being used by the left and the right at the top to get us all to agree to more central control and an incursion into our rights. I was <laughs> headed down the road of talking about how tech companies are uh, are censoring, but this issue is still hot. And I think we here having a very interesting discussion that I don't think you're hearing anywhere else. So I'm going to kind of give the show over to the calls. I'm going through calls, uh, two minutes a call, uh, but in order of how long you've been holding, if you are on hold, I will get to you. We're going to do some rapid fire. I don't want to forget about the tweets. So Binkley, give me a tweet, please. At Naval 1122 tweets that, it sucks that it seems we always have and always will allow 1% of the people, activists, politicians, and the media to control the entire narrative. That's interesting. And Binkley, on our podcast, Propaganda Report, the most recent one we did, which is on the website, PropagandaReportDaily.com, you played a clip for me of Jean her name is Schakowsky, the yeah. Jan Schakowsky. She's an Illinois congresswoman. I think, I want you to find this clip if you could, and we'll play it hopefully in the show, where she was saying, hey, the optics, something like, hey, the optics of someone um, in a wheelchair getting hurt is like ideal. <laughs> like that's It's what great we for our movement. Yeah, it's great for our movement, which just makes me sick. But that's what we're talking about here. This stuff is not is is uh not an accident so let's try to get to that and uh now i'm going to get to some calls i'm going to charles and grayson hi charles you're on with monica hey how you doing monica good how you doing charles all right first of all i'm just, i'm a black man i get so sick and tired of hearing the african-american community talk about slavery i don't know a slave don't even know if i have any slaves but what i do know is how the democrats in the history of them. And what gets me is Benedict Arnold, John Lewis, who was in the struggle, got beat upside his head, knowing that these were the Democrats that did it to him, sold out the black community by getting a seat at the table. And out there, just like nothing happened. Our community is so lost when it comes to these type of issues because we're on a vote every four years. And the only thing we want to hear is who's the racist person? I hear so much from about racism in Charlottesville. Again, who came to the aid of black people? It was the white people that were attacking those people who, by the way, had a right to be there because they had a permit. And I just get so tired of that. They want an excuse for everything. Uh, that's an interesting point, Charles, because our – you're not to – you may be able to get away with saying, I don't know. I don't, I, I don't know. I can't, I don't want to offend people. But if what, by extension of what you're saying is the, the union soldiers, a lot of them were white. And I think black people fought on the Confederate side. Some, not a lot, right. but you know, it's not a strictly racial divide is what it's not. You might be saying. And this is the question. Black people, holler what black people want. So I, I always pose the question and I offer money for somebody to ask them this, and I always leave with my money. What is it that black people want that nobody else wants? What is it? We know that Hispanics want amnesty for illegals. We know that the LGBT want certain things for their community. And Obama gave it to them. But what is it that black people want that nobody else wants? That... They, want to go out here, they go out here and cry and whine 
racism on everything. But that's an interesting what- point, Charles, and that's your two minutes well used. I, I want to make one comment on that, which is I have noticed that when people speak to, I think maybe Michelle Obama did it to young black women, um, that things she was saying about being, you know, uh, oppressed or whatever were actually tapped into the insecurities that you feel you know, as a young woman, and that I thought by presenting it, and maybe she wasn't doing it intentionally or whatever, but but by presenting it as something that was uh, externally placed upon you, it's disempowering. So what you don't realize is that these natural feelings of insecurity, what you're saying is, um, what do they want that nobody else wants? What are you feeling that nobody else is feeling? I, I get that there are, some people have it worse. If you knew my own personal childhood history you might think that maybe i i uh deserve a little extra sympathy you know than somebody else but that's probably not even really true because probably everybody has history that you can point to why they feel um you know not at not in as good a position as other people but i feel like positioning it as this is your place in society and you have to join together and fix it for everybody is very disempowering when in reality a lot of this stuff comes from your own sense of uh overcoming personal challenges can really be empowering so yes these factors exist they they do but you can carve out your place uh like a lot of other people have by uh, overcoming the challenges and being who you really want to be and there is room for that Thank you, Charles. I, I might have to. Uh, I, I, if my lines were at all full, I bet I would get a bunch of calls on that. So I'm going to Wes in Marietta. Uh, you are on with Monica. Hey, thank you for taking my call today, Monica. Listen, I, I wanted to, to respectfully disagree with a gentleman. I believe his name was Tim, who called probably at this point about 30 minutes ago, where he said our nation was founded on a racial divide, and I think that is factually inaccurate. Our nation was founded on the premise that all men were created with inalienable rights given by their creator, removing the idea of rights from the shelter of the government, placing it in the hands of the creator, meaning we're accountable to our maker for how we act. And our founding fathers knew that that, that slavery and, and, and the economic realities associated with it were a problem for the country. We didn't have many answers back then. And there needs to be credit for the people that had the, the wherewithal and the foresight and, and the spiritual aptitude to recognize that slavery was a moral injustice, and, and it, was, it was a grievance, and it needed to be addressed. And by addressing it the way it was in the U.S. Constitution, they set a precedent in place that caused our nation to evolve faster socially and culturally than any other nation before it when it came to the rights of human beings. And that needs to be addressed. Because sometimes liberty is messy, but it is far, far better than the alternative of totalitarianism. And people need to understand that the government is never going to be able to create equality when the problem with the lack of equality lies inside of a human being. At the end of the day, the government is never going to be able to legislate someone into loving their neighbor. All right. So, Tim, sorry, uh, Wes, sorry, sorry, sorry. I want to address a couple of things. The reason I didn't challenge Tim on saying that is that slavery did exist, and I don't think it's inaccurate to say that uh, there was a racial divide. But what you're saying is so, so important in this. What 
what these people are doing who promote this unrest, who foster uh, these really, um, you know, these divisions from the past, communism and Nazism, um, white versus black, uh, based on the slavery and uh, the history of the Civil War. It is absolutely what I was talking about at the beginning of the show. This ideology of tyranny, the divisiveness, is meant to keep us from focusing on what would unite us against the powers that that uh, do actually oppress us and take our liberties away. That by telling, by encouraging the view in in one community, I don't want to say like the black community, it's, we're America, they, they're creating different mindsets and different communities and telling people that they don't have the same uh, access to that legacy. And the legacy of whether there was, it was at that time, real for everyone or not, the fact that it was enshrined in foundational documents is is like unique in history, if I'm correct about this. And it's something that we can rally around. I used to say it's just a piece of paper. It's It has no teeth. But actually, as a rallying point, it's very powerful. And if we rallied around it, everybody would find that it protects us all. So coming out and tearing the rights down because you want uh, different protections or you know that you want your feelings protected is dangerous and it's exactly what they're doing on purpose thank you so much for the call Wes uh, I am going to Jeff and Alpharetta hi Jeff you're on with Monica uh, thanks for taking my call Monica I've got a question for you I'd like you to answer at the end and, and I'll start with it even and, and that's where do you think that the the origin is for this whole issue where it came from to make it a national issue we're a diverse country, and, and the one size doesn't fit all. And it seems uh, that it's just a, a big government orchestrating these issues, somehow getting the media to buy into it so that they can implement them as further control. And our founding fathers, they specifically gave us different ways for our diverse culture to deal with these types of issues through our senators, our congressmen, and our state and local government. And going right to the top, I mean, I think Trump just needs to stop addressing this on a national level give it to the state and local levels to deal with. And however their constituents in those areas wish to see it is how it should be done. So I go back yeah. to my original question to you of, of, you know, this has been around forever. Where did, where did, where was the origin for this from? I, I agree that this is not something that should be addressed on the federal level. I would say I, I went to law school, but I think one could argue before the 14th amendment anyway, that, that the Bill of Rights and the Constitution applied to and limited the federal government, and the states could even defy that, defy those guarantees. And in some ways, I, um, you know, it's too scary for me even to say because I'm such a fan of like the Second Amendment and the Fourth Amendment, and the Fifth Amendment, and the um, the First Amendment actually does apply to Congress, but. I think these are not issues uh, in, in things like marriage, health care, policing. Those are clearly still reserved to the states by the 10th Amendment. And why we have to have universal laws on abortion or gay marriage or any of that stuff, uh, it makes no sense. That was the whole point of the states' rights uh, in the first place. So 
I agree with you. It's all about central power, and it is all about breaking down amendment by amendment, eliminating the Bill of Rights, neutralizing our constitutional protections against the federal government. That's the bottom line. Tweet at me, at Monica Perez Show. Be back with more calls after this. Monica Perez on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. I do want to give a special shout out as an example of what can be done to the disability rights movement and adapt in in this fight. The images of people being pulled out of their wheelchairs is not unlike the images during the civil rights movement of the um, fire hoses being turned on children in the children's marches or John Lewis getting his head cracked. Um, You know, it's those kinds of visuals are very, very important to our our movement. So that was Illinois Congresswoman Jan Schakowsky. Is that right, Binkley? Where was that? That was at Netroots Nation in Atlanta last weekend. That's an indivisible event where they train people how to be agitators. That's what they're telling people in Atlanta to do. And you know what? It kind of diminishes, in my mind, the civil rights stuff, as if, you know, putting it in the same boat as uh, something that contrived... I don't know. I I guess she can get away with that, but it doesn't sound cool. And it certainly makes it sound like this whole thing uh, is what Nancy Pelosi called the Tea Party astroturf, not grassroots. But that even if it's not uh, even if it didn't just spring out of the hearts of the American public organically doesn't mean it's not getting to people. It is triggering them emotionally. We are uh, we're in this debate. I think the debate is I think the histrionics are a way just to take away rights one by one. But it is it is getting to us. And we are having really uh, an open forum here. I've got if you are on hold, I should be able to get to you. We all talk fast. And, you know, I can as a New Yorker. So if you're on hold, I'm going to do more rapid fire calls after the break. Or you can tweet at me at Monica Perez show. Maybe something really cool that I don't even know about. Monica Perez on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. Voice on WSB Saturdays from 3 to 6 in the home stretch. But I think it's going to be an exciting last half hour because we have just been, uh, I think, having an open forum of a discussion at the beginning of the show. I think it was Tim who said that we should be able to talk about this stuff. And I think maybe we're not all sitting in a room together, but I do believe that we are uh, getting a diverse body of views out there. So I want to get as many in as I can. Let's do some rapid fire phone calls. Um, Not taking any more calls, but if you're on hold, hopefully I'll get to you. Binkley, do you have a, a tweet or are we? Um... Yeah, I have one. It is from Privilege. He says he cannot understand how people have conversations with this broken dialectic. And then he cites Kumal, a celebrity from one of the, I can't remember what the show he's on, but he says 50 years ago, Nazis are bad. 10 years ago, Nazis are bad. Today, actually, the First Amendment. So he's a comedian mocking the First Amendment. 
Right. I have absolutely no idea what any of that means, but maybe somebody out there got <laughs> a lot out of it. So who am I to judge? I'm going to just let that just let that soak in for people. And uh, and I actually have human beings live on the phone who, when I don't understand what they're saying, I'm going to ask them <laughs> to explain it. So let's start with Kevin and uh, Hiram. Hi, Kevin. You're on with Monica. Kevin. Kev. All right, Kev is out. I'm putting Kev on hold. If Kev, Kev comes back, I'll take him. I'll try him after Steve. I'm going to Steve in Talladega. Steve, you're on with Monica. Yeah, good afternoon. My my whole thing is we need to use a democratic process if we're going to try and solve this. If a city wants to go ahead and vote, the citizens get together and put a petition up to remove a, a statue or something, let that happen. We don't. You know, people say that you look at what they did with the, in Germany, all, they outlawed all the Nazi symbols and took down all the Hitler statues. That's comparing apples and oranges. These statues have been up for, you know, a hundred plus years. Let it be the citizens of the city that decide what happens with them. Actually, Steve. I bet that your system would work with the Nazi statues in Germany. My guess is that everybody in Germany, the majority of people in Germany, would vote to bring those statues down. It's, you know what I mean? So, yes, it's apples and oranges in, in one way, but I think that your solution would work. And normally, I'm not a huge fan of democracy, like uh, mob rule, where people can just vote other people's rights away. But uh, it sounds like actually... Not a bad idea. And ultimately, my bottom line is give unto Caesar what is Caesar's. These heroes, these villains are used by the political elite to control us. And the symbols that they use uh, are there for a reason, in my opinion. So although uh, I think that the issues are complicated, I I would love to to neutralize the power of the symbols across the board. So anyway, but thank you so much for the call, Steve. I am going to Albert in Fayette County. Hi, Albert. You're on with me. Hi. Hi. I heard all of your callers. Uh, I think this is a healthy debate, but I want to caution people that uh, some of these hate groups are real and have committed uh, killings and bombings and painting on people's houses. And uh, we shouldn't let people march up Buford Highway with machine guns which is what uh, some of these groups had in Charlottesville. They had very powerful guns, and people were intimidated. And, uh, you know, we can take down statues and we can um, clean up our parks and our county squares, but are we going to pass laws that are going to fund free breakfasts for children who are poor and services for the elderly? We need to isolate these people and not allow them just to do anything they want. Just because, just because we have free speech, which is a good thing and which has helped a lot of people, you have to use it in a kind of a careful way. You can't just go out and yell fire in a theater. All right, Albert, I want to address your points. You brought a lot of points up. I want to address them uh, rapidly, one by one. I. you said spend the money instead on on free lunch or, you know, we need to be careful how we control this stuff. Obviously, 
you're on the other end of the political spectrum from me because I think that the problem is that we want and ask for control. We feel like everything has to be controlled together, that we should take people's money and give it to kids for lunch. I don't believe that. I don't I don't think that's the realm of government. That's just my opinion. But the thing about the guns at the protests, the ACLU came out and said, we are no longer going to defend people who want to bring loaded guns to protests. And I, I kind of suspected that this issue, this actual event, Charlottesville, would be at the tipping point for the ACLU, the red line for the ACLU, to kind of back away from their absolutist approach to defending free speech. And it made me think that, and it goes to that Jan Schakowsky thing and a lot of this stuff, is that what we're seeing, we're not seeing you know, what maybe whoever said earlier, like in Korea, there's just like thousands and thousands of people out there peacefully saying what they want. It kind of goes to Steve's point about democracy, which I am not normally the one defending it. But if it is representative, you're going to have so many people out there who aren't doing that stuff that it makes me kind of wonder why people on both sides in these protests are just these handfuls of handsful of extremists and that that what whatever happened to common sense you know why do we have to decide if the biggest nut job is defended because that is the issue that is being presented before through that they can slip the thin end of the wedge into the issue and then it just breaks a hole in the in that right so i would urge caution when you look at these events to see if if the uh, extremism, which is like the Daily Stormer thing. I never heard of that. I never would have su- seen the really offensive, vulgar things that they wrote on their website if the Huffington Post did not reprint it. And everybody talks about this thing now. So for me, I think we're being led down the garden path with uh, with addressing the extreme, like with abortion. The first was, well, what do you think about rape and incest? It's like, no, why don't we talk about the real issues first, you know, the, the, I should say, the issue, the overarching issue that's really the question here, do you want the government to control speech on the internet? Because that is the thing that's at issue. And uh, so I would just be cautious to say that's the real question. But thank you very much, Albert. I'm going to Reggie Indicator. Reggie, you're on with Monica. Happy, a happy Saturday to you, Monica. Long time no hear from. Hi, Reggie. Uh, how you doing? Just fine. Just fine. I would just like to say, how many exactly? How many more of these demonstrations, marches, or even protests are going to end or wind up in violence before we all finally stand up and say enough is finally enough? And do you think that the NRA, along with talk radio and the and the mainstream mainstream media, stood up and denounced this kind of type of violence that happened this past week in Charlottesville, Virginia? Yes or no? Why or why not? What do I think? Wait, wait, wait. You're going. <laughs> do I think that they should denounce the violence? Violence is never okay. I mean, that's the whole. I'm a libertarian. I, 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 I think people really are allowed to do anything they want until right. it encroaches on other people's rights. When it encroaches on other people's rights, and of course, for me, the bottom line is the great Murray Rothbard's one-liner, don't touch me or my stuff. You're going around touching people. Everybody, it's like the the um, my daughter came home with this, and I know it's a very common, not came home, I think she got it off the internet, I don't know. But it's, you know, it used to be a, a common kind of feminist 
cry like you should be able to walk down the street naked and no one is allowed to rape you. And that is absolutely 100 percent true. But as my husband responded, uh, just because you're allowed to wear a meat suit to the zoo doesn't mean it's a good idea. So I um, that was just a quip, not relevant to my point. But my point is that you are permitted to, I don't, I think you actually are allowed to walk down the street naked, but you're, you are permitted to walk around and say whatever you want. You're even permitted to carry a loaded gun with an offensive sign in your hand. And no one is allowed to touch you and you're not allowed to touch anybody else. And that's all there is to it. So do I want everybody to walk down the street with offensive signs and machine guns with scary looks on their faces. No, I definitely do not want that. But that those are the ones who are getting our attention. And that's what you're promoting It was in the Wall Street Journal this week. One of the guys they talked to said this was quoted twice on the same page in the journal. It said, watch how this Charlottesville makes the movement explode. It was hundreds. Then it'll be thousands next time and thousands more after that. Obviously, foreseeable consequences or, you know, they don't they call them unintended consequences of this massive 24 seven coverage, but they are foreseeable. And therefore, I have to say not cannot be considered strictly unintended. I'm going to Nathan in Lawrenceville. Nathan, you're on with Monica. Yes, uh, Monica, I appreciate your call. I've got a lot to say in a very short time to to say it in. Uh, First of all, I want to identify myself as a. I am a grand, great, great, great grandson of a, uh, a guy that fought with George Washington in five battles, and and I also had a grandfather that fought with General Lee for three years and two months, and he was with Lee when he surrendered at Appomattox. There Your actual grandfather? <laughs> yes, not my actual grandfather. It's my grandfather's father's father. Okay. And okay. so, yes, great, I am a descendant of that. <laughs> and and I want to remind you of one thing. I think you're all on the wrong track because there was two police officers that podcasted this. I read it this morning and they 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 was in in Charlottesville and they said that the mayor of Charlottesville spent many years at Berkeley. Now, when he became mayor. And they don't know how he became mayor, but they said when he became mayor, he has a he got himself a black assistant mayor, and this a black assistant mayor. Oh, the he, guy named Wes who says stuff that. Yes. Yeah, and I think that was a setup. All that stuff about I white know. people, right? Now and then they elected themselves a or they appointed a black police officer, and he said the 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 white people that was at the monument, they had a federal judge that made them give them a permit. Now, they're the only ones that had a permit. Nobody else had a permit. The police said they should have been protecting those people. They were in the right. All right, that's interesting, Nathan. And I have to address this because, first of all, we're coming up on a break. Second of all, I feel like that whole theme, I saw that, that Jason Kessler talked about it. Um, I think he's the one, Jason Kessler, who organized this Unite the Right, actually targeted that guy. Um, 
a long time ago. I went back through all that Jason Kessler's old tweets just to see where he was coming from. And I feel like that whole conflict, that whole um, right and wrong on both sides is what's called the dialectic, that they set it up. I actually um, talked about that specific thing as the art of ambiguity. They make sure, because I think this stuff is orchestrated, so they make sure that there's right to be seen on both sides so that people can defend their position. That's they if it were wrong wrong if it was wrong versus right, everyone would be on right. That's what makes me think it was a setup. Plus the fact that they called a state of emergency before that girl got killed. So um but it is interesting that given that they had the permit, they were the ones who should have been protected. That was a, a an insight I hadn't had. Let me take the uh break. You can tweet at me at Monica Perez Show. Hopefully I'll have time for another call, so hang on. Monica Perez on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. Mix of sunshine and clouds, increasing humidity with a high of 90 forecast for Monday as the work week begins. But that could change, so stay tuned to WSB for weekend weather. Brought to you by Shoemate Heating and Air. And also tune into WSB Monday afternoon. I'm sure it is going to be loads of fun from 1 to 3. As Aram, Van Hessler, Bortz, Mellish all uh, share the excitement of the super cool solar eclipse that's going to pass right over Georgia. How cool is that? Yeah, Cher's going to be there. Really? <laughs> you said oh, shit up. Oh, stop. Come <laughs> on. This isn't the comedy hour. So, but look, there was something. Uh, oh, yeah. I heard on the news earlier, one of the news breaks, that um, the Boston free speech rally was going off uh, peacefully, more or less. A few arrests made, but, you know, just peacefully. And I have to say... I predicted it. I not only, like, predicted it at the breakfast table, like normally my predictions are, I actually tweeted it. So I told people to watch out for this, and I told them why. So if you would please read me that tweet, and then I'll wrap up. You tweeted, the climax today might actually be an anti-climax. The lesson being, quote, government can solve this problem, end quote. What to watch out for. Yep, that's the uh, Boston, the home of uh, martial law is the answer. That's so right. You can always count on that. Boston was the tell for me. We uh, post these podcasts and our own podcast on Propaganda Report Daily, and we'll be back next week, 3 to 6. This is the Monica Perez Show.